0: All right, we're going to pray, and we'll we'll jump right in. Lord, uh, Lord, we thank you for another day. We thank you for the beauty and diversity of what it means to live in the Northwest and how we just get these, like, rainstorms followed by sunshine. Lord, we thank you for the mountains. We thank you for the rivers. We thank you for nature. We're surrounded by your goodness, and we thank you that you don't just speak to us through the things you've made, but you've actually given us detailed thoughts That are from your heart to us. So, Lord, as we open up the Bible this morning, I pray it just wouldn't be another study, another lecture, another thing, but you would open our eyes to see the beauty, just like we look at the hills and we get a glimpse of how amazing you are. God, as we read from Ephesians 4, give us a greater glimpse of how great you are. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Uh, Amen. So, here we are in Ephesians. This is a, a series we're getting on the back half of it. We've looked at the first three chapters of the letter last year, and we looked at who God is and what he's done, and now we're looking at 10 things, 10 things to start the year over the first 10 weeks that hopefully will drive what we believe about God, what we believe about ourselves, and how we can live differently. But in light of all of that, videos are amazing, especially when they're videos of of cute kids. So just, just watch. the video because I, I, I've probably watched it a hundred times. And, and it's, it's Nate's lovely son, uh, that's Ezra, who's a part of our church. And that's Royal the dog. And they're a dear part of our church family. As a matter of fact, if they go, the thing just shuts down because they're amazing. No, actually, um, I wanted you to see that because the context was a text and it was Ezra, when music came on at home on a Sunday, he watched you worship. And raise your hands. He, they didn't say, okay, now music's coming on. By watching us worship and lifting our hands to God, he hears music go on. Go on. And then the cute part is just like Ezra, the little dog, Royal, the dog, is like. <whistles> you know, oh, amazing. Here's the funny thing. Both mimicked. Both copied. Both took behavior that they saw and did something with it. Obviously, Ezra in praise and Royal in weirdness. And so the question this morning is not are you imitating, but who are you imitating, what are you imitating, and why? And if little Ezra can learn to see beautiful behavior and follow that, can't we learn This year. Can't we learn? After maybe some of you, so many years of going to church and living unchanged, not transformed. You go, you go, you go. I'm glad you're going. It's really helpful to keep going, but you're not seeing any development, any momentum in your life. Could it be that this morning, as we read the Bible, something can click in you and you can begin to imitate? What God would have for you. We're reading in Ephesians and we're up to chapter 4 and we're going to start in verse 25. Last week we looked through 24, verse 24, and we stopped because of time. It was just too much. But let me just read the tail end of verse 24 because 25 picks it up. And put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So last week we ended with this thought. You are new. We are new. Now put it on. Live that way. And then he continues, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for all members of one body. And in your anger, don't sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something youth, useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, Brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Now on the brighter side, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ. God forgave you. We'll keep going because it's one thought. Forget the chapter separation. Follow God's example, therefore, or be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Why are we taking these 10 weeks and looking at these truths? Because they're not the only 10 things that God wants us to know about himself. But they're really helpful and they're enough that it's going to take effort on our part to live it out. But short enough... And not so like ridiculously long, they'll like say, it's it's impossible, this isn't for me, this Christian thing, I can never live up to it. All right, what have we learned so far? If you're just dropping in and visiting, welcome. I'll give you what we talked about for the last three weeks in these one-liners. You can watch the podcast or listen to it. Write them down if you missed it. We're one in Jesus. The first three things we learned, which are fundamental base foundation, we are one in Jesus. What does that mean? we're united together. What does that mean? We learn from one another. We're a body is a metaphor. And so if you want to grow in Jesus, you ought to grow with other people, because God will most likely not digitally download truth to you. He will share truth to someone else. They will share it, and then you'll receive it, and you'll be changed. So we need one another. The second thing was that we're gifted differently. So we're not all teachers, and we're not all uh, servants who like to set up chairs, and we're not all baristas, and we're not all engineers, thank God. And we're not all, you know, mechanics, and we're not all musicians. We are diverse. This is beautiful. It's beautiful. God made you beautifully, specifically. Why? To use that thing that is from him or those things and help people. The goal of giftedness, we're all graced, we're all gifted, and it's all about serving. But we all come from a different story, we all come from a different place, and the third thing we looked at was we're we're new people. So even though you may have had those graces and gifts, you say, Well, I've always been good at this, I've always been good at that, or I've always liked to do this, or I always liked to do that. Here's, Here's what you need to remember In Jesus, it's all new. So there may have been a time where you didn't use that for good. As a matter of fact, the thing that God gave you for good, you are using for your own gain or for evil. But in Jesus, know this, blank slate, brand new, you get to now take these grace gifts from God and do something positive with them, and this is is a beautiful thing. Now, here's the true statement for today because it comes every week. We're looking at one line, and we're teasing it out. What it is, what it means, how to live it out. We're doing the same pattern every week. Okay, what's the line for today? Write it down. We are, we are fully forgiven. We're fully forgiven. And that's, I, I thought, maybe just make it shorter. Three, three words, we're forgiven. And I thought, well, no, I think that's missing something. We are fully forgiven. Now, this is a hard one to swallow. I think for many of us, the thought of absolute forgiveness seems like Maybe an intellectual possibility, but it's a practical impossibility because, Jose, you don't know what I did. You don't know what I'm doing. You don't know my headspace, and you definitely don't know my behavior. How can you say that God fully forgives? Look at verse 32. It's the driving line. Why should we be kind and compassionate to one another? Forgiving each other. Look at the line. Just as in Christ, as in Jesus the Messiah, God forgave you. God forgave you. He already did it when you believed. Not when you earned enough Jesus credits to make it in. When you trusted Jesus, I am bankrupt other than the things I've done that are unlike you. Of course, I'm kind because you're kind, but I'm not worthy. But Jesus, will you make me worthy when we come to Jesus with nothing but guilt and shame and say, save me. He fully forgives and here's the radical thought the moment I choose to follow Jesus Christ I'm a new person I'm one with the body I'm grace gifted and I will continue to sin and guess what I am fully forgiven I'm fully forgiven now this I know this bucks up against everything that we want to believe because what we want to believe is that God had grace to forgive me then but won't forgive me now That's what we want to believe, because he's a just God and he sees everything and he always does what's right. So there's this there's this tension in our life as Jesus followers to walk in holiness, that is, to walk like God wants us to walk. God is holy, he's separated. What what does that mean? It means there's no one like him. He's altogether different. And so, as Jesus followers, we're called to live in a way that's altogether different, unlike our culture, because that's the pattern of our Father. But even when we fail, we struggle to live out this identity fully forgiven, really free. So why should we treat people like Jesus? Because we're forgiven. Now, we're going to get to that at the end. I'll I'll circle back. But depending on your story, forgiveness is just something that's hard to accept. And we we have to be honest. And let me just give you a little bit of insight. You're not always going to feel forgiven. So what I'm saying is true. In Christ, in Jesus, you are fully forgiven. You have been forgiven. He is forgiving you. He will forgive you. No ifs, ands, or buts. When we turn to him, forgiveness is there. It is an unending well. You can't tap it out. But that doesn't mean I feel it. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is allowing me to feel remorse to remind me this isn't right. But there's forgiveness. How do I know if it's the Lord? How do I know if it's the enemy? If it's the Lord, it's like, man, Jesus is good. Why don't you turn to him? If it's the enemy, it's you'll never make it. See, I told you so. It's accusatory. So what we want to do is learn in wisdom. If this is true, we're fully forgiven. Then how do we, how do we live it out? We don't trust our feelings alone. I'm a feeler. Some are intuitive, some are thinkers, some are feelers. I lean, and when you look at the spectrum, Myers-Briggs, you know, there's those who go by intellect or logic, there's those who go by feeling, and then there's me. I'm like, off the charts on, because why? I know it's right. Why? Because I know. In my gut, I know this is right. Well, here's here's a challenge. That's a good thing, but if I only trust my feelings, where would I be? If you only trust your feelings, you will You will think that God doesn't have grace for you. You will actually believe that God will forgive them, but not you. You'll think that you're not useful to God because of your current situation. And that is a lie. So I use my feelings. I use wisdom that comes from God. And I trust Jesus. Hear me. Don't trust your feelings. Trust Jesus. Bring your feelings to Jesus and he will give you the wisdom to moderate. Is this God stirring you to a life of holiness or is it the enemy trying to tell you, I told you so? Okay, so the the thought for today is is we are fully forgiven. Now, what does that mean and then how do we live it out? Um, What we're going to see is a pattern here. I'm going to spend a lot of time. There's five things that Paul gives us at least. I narrowed it down to five because some of them are similar. Five things that mean we can live out fully forgiven lives. But I'm going to emphasize the first one only because Paul gives a pattern here, if you, if you read it, and the pattern's repeated on all five, all right? So I'm going to drill out the first one, but don't worry, if, you walk, if you're a clock watcher, I'm getting somewhere. Just chill, hang for a bit. Number one, write this down. What does it mean? If we're fully forgiven, the first thing we ought to do is to speak truthfully. We ought to speak We ought to speak the truth. If I'm actually forgiven, ongoing forgiven, look at verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we're all members of one body. All right, here's the pattern. Everything he tells us that means living out our identity as fully forgiven people means we stop something, we start something, and there's a reason why. We start it, or we stop something, we start something, and then we actually get the motivation, why matters. All right, so we stop, we start, and here's why. And we're gonna look at it right here. What are we told to stop? It's right in verse 25. Each of you must put off falsehood. The New Living Translation says it super clear. Stop lying to each other. <laughs> I like that. Stop lying. Well, that's, that's the outgrowth. It's not just saying... God's just trying to say, look, here's a narrow way. You're never going to make it. Here it is. What he's saying is, no, I've wiped your slate clean. I've extended grace to you and mercy and love that you don't deserve, but I love you that much. So, if I've been that good, here's what I'm asking of you. Speak the truth. Stop lying. Why are you lying when I've come to you with grace? Why are you pretending that didn't happen when I actually forgive it? Why are you Lying to yourself and saying this isn't affecting your life when, when son, daughter, it is keeping you stuck. Speak the truth. Now, what are we told to start right after? It, it says, well, put off falsehood, stop that, and speak truthfully to your neighbor. So that's what we're called to do. It's, it's not just about changing behavior patterns. It's the why. The why ought to motivate us To stop the thing that God says stop and start the thing that that God says start. And here's what it is. It's right, you just keep reading. For we are all members of one body. Now this kind of makes sense. And I'm I'm drawing this one out. I won't do it with the others. But you'll see the logic. Lying to each other ought to be stopped. When you come here, imperfectly, because I know we're all growing, growth takes time. You ought to, when when another Jesus person, especially a part of the same church here, and you're talking to them, you ought to be able to assume they're not lying to your face. Now, we've all been lied to by beautiful Jesus people. This is hard. But But the mode of our life ought to be, when I talk to a, now he's talking to Jesus people about Jesus people. Now, when someone is not following Jesus, all bets are off. I don't assume Wisdom says, I don't assume they're telling anything the truth because they have no guide. Spirit's not driving them. Maybe they're telling me the truth. Maybe they're not. I'm a New Yorker. I assume you're lying to me. I assume that you're lying to me until I get enough feeling. Mm, Okay, I'll give them a shot. But when it comes to a Jesus person, wouldn't it be beautiful if when someone walked here and was investigating faith, and maybe you are investigating faith, you found a group of people who told the truth. Wouldn't it be like, We want that, by the way. We actually want that. No one likes to be lied to. Okay, so that that behavior makes no sense. Here's why. We're members of one body. I'll give you an example, a very painful example in my mom's life, but that's pretty telling. So my mom, some years ago, probably four or five years ago, started having pain in her mouth. So what do you do when you have a pain in your mouth? Go to the dentist. Went to the dentist, great dentist, same dentist I go to. They couldn't find it. It was like a sharp pain, like have you ever had a root canal? You have that nerve pain. You get the cold water and you do go, those of you who haven't, God bless you. Those of you who had, you know what I'm talking about. And so she had that pain. But you know what? They looked and said to a specialist, look, 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 couldn't figure it out. It was a pain like in her jaw, like, but like right here. And she went to this doctor, that doctor, and they started looking at neurology. They started looking at everything. And it took forever to diagnose. The pain was increasing as if her nerve was exposed. And, and and no matter what, to the point where she couldn't even eat. She had to get this interesting, very, very toxic um, medicine that would numb it for a while, but it had to take like three times a day. And, and if she missed the window of taking that pill, the rest of the day was hell. Because the pain was unending right here. Long story short, they end up, realizing a nerve behind her, her ear was crossed with another nerve sending a false signal, literally crossed. So I'm not kidding. They had to do surgery, open my mom's back of her ear up and they put like, I'm gonna call it rubber. It looked like they put a rubber circle around the nerve so it stopped touching the other nerve because they weren't supposed to touch and that nerve was lying to my mom and telling her brain that you're in pain when in fact she wasn't in pain. In terms of she had nothing to cause her pain, but the nerve was sick the nerve was lying. And because your body is interconnected, that nerve back there is sending a wrong reading here and then my mom's stomach hurts because she's writhing in pain. Does that make sense? Now by God's grace, it's all fixed, she's good, she's got a nasty scar, it's amazing. I need to text her and tell her. I just told this story. I just realized that. But I'm telling you the truth. Why is truth-telling so important? Hear me. It's because we are one body, and when you and I speak one falsehood, one lie to someone, you don't know the ripple effect of that. When we live a lie, you don't realize how many parts of the body are affected. And sometimes we just don't think about the implications. So, like, well, it's no big deal. I just won't tell the truth to this person, not realizing there's a chain reaction. And so so the question is, uh, are we lying? Now, flat out, bold-faced lying is one thing, but I think there's another dimension to this. I think what he's implying is speak truthfully means opening up to one another in a way that's honest. So I don't think it's just saying like, hey, don't lie. Well, the 10 commandments says don't lie. That's obvious. But I think Because the one body connection, what he's saying is why don't we live in a way where we're actually opening up. Are you opening up to any other Jesus follower about anything? If you want to grow, we are a body. We grow together. And if you want to accelerate growth, here's what's going to need to happen. You're going to need to find people in your world and in your life that you're opening up to. You're not closing yourself off. Now, mind you, I'll go back to fully forgiven. Because we feel the guilt and shame of our past, it's hard for us to open up. Because we inherently already feel guilty. I I find very few Jesus followers who walk in freedom. Most are dealing with unresolved sense of guilt. And I would say a lot of the time, it's actually not coming from God. It's in our own mind we have settled, grace is for someone else, there's no grace for me or I've tapped it out like decades ago. And so I, I, I will never. Well, if we live that way, if that's our old mindset, we're never going to open up. So I'm suggesting that God wants to put us in a space where we realize we're fully forgiven and we actually open up. Now, uh, some practical counsel on, like I told you, this, this part's long. The rest will be shorter. Practical wisdom on opening up. First thing. Opening up doesn't mean we post everything about everything. Now, I have to say that only because too many are doing that. And so my word of wisdom to you, even if you're a Jesus follower, Jesus lover, or even if you're not, do me a favor, restrict what you say. Because even though you're saying it, it's read or heard differently and the ripple effect of that half-truth in someone's mind, you know, Could be The thing you're trying to say to help could actually end up hurting. Uh, Opening up to other people does not mean I tell everyone everything. Uh, Believe it or not, you don't know everything about me, and you never will. And that's good. There are people in my life that I share more with because wisdom says you can't and shouldn't share everything with everyone. That doesn't mean you're lying to them. That doesn't mean you're holding back. But wisdom says those who love you the deepest and are closest to you are going to take that and bring healing with that. And and if I just spread out everything, think of what harm it would do to my family if I just told you everything that goes on in our life. That's not what he's saying. But it does mean we find a few. Everyone ought to have your, who are your people? That you're not just in a time of emergency, but consistently saying, I want to know you more. And I want you to know me more because I'm fully forgiven. I don't have to lie to you about this. You don't have to lie or pretend it's not there. I hope this is helpful. And finally, and this again, this is an extreme, but we ought to hit it. Opening up to people doesn't mean we vomit on them. Like we're two weeks into a relationship and I just, the the gush of 30 years of everything I've gone through. I would just say, pace yourself, friend. Because instead of pulling people closer, you say, but you don't know what I'm wrestling with. If you go too far, too fast with people you don't know all that well in trying to bring them in, you're probably going to build a barrier. Okay, that's just practical stuff. I hope that's helpful. Uh, If not, it may be in the future. Remember this. Our help comes from God. You're fully forgiven. And grace comes to you, not just from me. It comes from God. So you can lean on him. I can trust him, but i got to trust some other people. All right. Start. I'm going to stop, what we start, and then and then why. Let's look at the other four, and you're going to see the same pattern. I just want to tease it out. Number two, write it down. Deal with anger. Deal with it. What is that? Verse uh, 26, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. And real quick, notice the pattern. What do we stop? In your anger, stop sinning, which implies... Anger is an emotion that can be driven in multiple directions. It doesn't say never get angry. As a matter of fact, when you see things that are wrong, you ought to get anger. There, is, you, you, there are things in life where you realize this is not like Jesus. This is not like the love of God. This is not the kingdom of the king. This is horrible. When you see injustice in the world, you ought to get angry. But in your anger, don't sin. In other words, stop. Letting anger rule you, rule your anger. Rule it, harness it, deal with it. Uh, So that's what we, we stop sinning. What do we start? Look at what it says. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. We have to start working through it. Stop sinning, but we have to work through it. We have to not let it sit. He's not saying don't let the literal sun go down like Oh, we had an argument and it's, well, let's fix it, fix it, fix it. No, have dinner, have dessert, and then talk it through. Sometimes it may be the next morning. But you don't let the cycle of life keep going and say, well, that's not important. Oh, and it happened two weeks ago, so that's the past. That doesn't help. So in in our anger, we don't sin. What's the motivation? Don't give the devil a foothold. Now, that's a graphic. Uncontrolled anger is a portal for the enemy of our souls to come and lead us on darker paths. So anger is real and there are things I ought to be angry about, but I should never take anger and make that my excuse to sin against you or anyone else. Rather, I stop I evaluate, I don't let the sun go down. I say, God, help me, give me grace. I talk to other people, I work it through. There are a few people that I can verbally process with and do, rah, 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 rah. 10 minutes later, I'm fine. And, and I may need to apologize to them, but they're my deep friend and they'll forgive me because I was a little, I get very hot under the collar very fast. And I've been honest about that. So I'll yell at a few and then say, man, I was just, that was crazy but I got clarity out of it. Hopefully I didn't sin against them. And even if I didn't, I I do ask for grace and forgiveness. I stopped a landslide, a shrapnel of me in that anger, lashing it out on hundreds. So, So we deal with it. What's the motivation? We don't want to follow the devil. By the way, sons and daughters of God do devilish things when we don't listen to God. So we don't hide our anger, we don't ignore our anger, we deal with our anger, and so we speak truthfully and we don't don't ignore anger. All right. Third thing, we work with purpose. Look at this, verse 28. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Doing something useful with their hands so they have something to share with those in need. Again, the pattern. What do we stop? Stop stealing. Well, for most of it's like, oh, I'm not a cheat. We cheat all the time. If you are employed by someone and you find as many ways to do as little as possible and get as much of your thing done on their time, that is stealing. We don't talk about it because it's just so culturally normal. When you don't give 100% and they're paying you 100% of what they agreed to pay you, and we give them less. That—that's that. Now I'm not saying I'm not getting legalistic. Like, I can't check my social media while I'm at the office. Well, if your boss says no, you shouldn't do it. If there's grace and it's just get your job done, fantastic. But if you manipulate the system to benefit you, that's stealing. Well, he's probably talking to. This is a real like tac- tactile culture at the time. You know, people didn't have e banking, so it was like you had slaves going and taking things from their masters and loving Jesus. Stop that. But what's more important is what you start, hard work. That's what he's saying. In light of Jesus, now you may not make the the connection, but it's there. You're fully forgiven. Your past is gone. As far as the east is from the west, you have the grace of God. You have the spirit of God. You have the family of God. You have a future with God. What ought to be your driving force in life? Work hard. Be amazing at what you do. Produce. By the way, he says, produce enough to share. Notice the motivation. Stop stealing. Start hard work. Why? Not to make more money. Not to retire early. Not to store up so that you can share. Because you've been fully forgiven, God hasn't held anything back from you. So guess what? Every resource is his. We ought to work hard. You ought to think about, I admire, there's some people in this church who have made so much money, they could do nothing but continue to do things because they take what God's given them and they realize, wow, now in this stage of my life, I can give more. I know people in this body who get giddy that they have made more and more money on this, that, and the other because like, man, I get to share with God's people. And they don't even think twice about it. And they're kind of motivated by it. And that's a beautiful thing. And if that's not you there yet, make that your aspiration that if god graces you with more wealth that you would see it as all from him and that the motivation for hard work isn't to indulge but it's rather to share this is so radical and yet so simple isn't it this is this is like this is jesus following in the real world all right so just remember work isn't a curse it's a gift your job may not be a blessing right now your your particular job you may hate and more than 50% of people right here, right now don't like their job and would change it if they could. And I get that. And I totally, I'm not asking you to be like, man, they have me doing something. It's so boring and I hate it, but I want to provide for my family. I'm not saying, fake it till you make it. This job is great. This job is great. Man, thank you. The job may stink. But I can go into that job and say my motivation for doing my best here is I love Jesus and God's provided a way to take care of my family and take care of other people. God, it would be, You would be amazing if you gave me a new one. But until you do, thank you for the one I have. That's a different mindset. And guess what? That's the mindset of a fully forgiven person. God's been generous. He's not held anything back. Therefore, I can give him my everything. All right, number four, watch our words. The fourth thing we're called to do is watch our words. Look at verse 29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen, and don't grieve the Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, that phrase that it may that it may benefit those who listen can be translated literally, that it might give grace to those who listen. So God's given you grace, and now he says, When you give words that are right, it's like giving them grace, which is amazing. And think about how much God has done in spite of us. And guess what? The right response, because I'm fully forgiven, is to watch what I say. What do I stop? Unwholesome, evil, foul, abusive language. Now, when I was growing up as a kid, that was mom and dad's like, underlined verse saying, you can never curse. If, you ever, if I ever hear a curse word come out of your mouth, because don't let any unwholesome talk. And yeah, it's in, in, included in that. But there's tons of words that wouldn't be considered foul that are absolutely foul. You may say, well, I'm just speaking the truth. No, you're actually digging it to them. Well, it's true. Yeah, it may be true, but it's not loving. And it's not motivated with a heart to build up. You're trying to tear them down with truth. You ever just meet that person who just loves to tell you the truth about you until you flip it to them? That's not true about, don't, hey, don't tell me. I'm just telling you. I'm actually speaking about myself. Um, So what do we stop? Unwholesome talk. What do we start? Words that build up. What's the motivation? This is amazing. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That's interesting. So you say, I don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. How do we grieve the Spirit of God? Well, grieving the Spirit of God is attached to all of these things. Whenever I steal, it grieves the Spirit of God. Uh, when I don't extend forgiveness to someone, it grieves the Spirit of God. But when I talk about you in a way that's not fitting and I'm tearing you down, the Holy Spirit is trying to build you up in your faith and remind you of your full forgiveness and show you that you have been gifted and you have been called and you have a future and you have something to do right now and I want you to work hard and I want you to produce and I want you to share and here I am attacking the very things that God's trying to build up. And that just doesn't make sense. Don't ever forget, words create worlds, god made the universe not with a how-to kit he spoke it words create worlds all you have to do and every parent knows this if you habitually tell your child they cannot they never will they're not good at guess what you're creating their universe that's not the universe god's creating for them that's the universe you're creating for them, and that grieves the Spirit of God. Now, if you've done that, there's grace and there's forgiveness and there's mercy and there's the Holy Spirit and there's freedom and there's redemption. But know this, what you can do is create worlds that God is enjoying and loves to see. Yes, you can. With God, nothing's impossible. And so some of us, that's our natural bent. You know, I'm a verbal encourager. I just can't help it. If I find something decent about you, I'm going to exploit it. I'm going to tell you about it. I'm, you're amazing at this. I don't even think about it. It's just second nature. Other people, your, your natural bent is to tear down. All I'm saying is, if it is, you need to be surrounded by some people who love you to remind you, That's stop that. Lovingly, on the side, one-on-one, I just keep hearing you talk like that. And why don't we, why don't we both learn to talk more like Jesus? Because that kind of wor- those kind of words create a mental picture that people will live into. Now, if that's been you and that's happened to you, here's the beautiful part. You're new. You're new in Jesus. So that old stuff doesn't have to dominate your mindset. It doesn't mean it won't creep in. It doesn't mean it doesn't slide in. It doesn't mean it- you have to deal with your default mental picture. You may have to continue to come back to the grace of God. This is why we love the Bible, because the Bible gives us the most full, real thing in the universe. There's nothing more real than the Bible. And I want you to dwell on that for about 16 or 17 years. There's nothing more real than the Bible. Everything God has said, the Bible says, is flawless. No flaw in God's thinking. So what I get to do is to reorient the rest of my life in light of what God has said and that means following Jesus. All right, number five, we're done. Extend forgiveness. And I've, uh, I've saved, just because of the natural flow of it, this is the hardest, I think, for many of us, for last. And we're not going to deal with this. We're not going to solve this, but I'm just going to expose it. Extend forgiveness. Verse 31, get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every kind of malice. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving Each other, notice how it's two ways. Just as in Christ, God forgave you, two ways. God forgave us. We came to God for forgiveness. And it's not until the moment I come to him asking for forgiveness that God extends it. So it's not like Jesus died on the cross, rose again, and everyone is saved. That's absolutely not true. Those who come to him, he'll never turn away. It's by God's grace that you've been rescued through your faith. But even that's a gift of God. So I come to him and and, and it's it's that meeting together that I want us to see. And forgiveness has to be a two-way street. If someone has harmed you, hurt you, destroying you, and has no intention of reconciling with you, I am not saying you need to come and grovel before them and reconcile in that way. I'm not saying that, because it has to be forgive each other. But when there's any leaning on someone to say, man, I want to make things right, what we ought to do is not let bitterness and rage and malice and envy push them away. Say, it's too late. The moment that someone says, I I want to be made right, we ought to respond with forgiveness what do we stop bitterness rage slander all that what do we start kindness and compassion instead of treating people even the way that they deserve what we do is we find in jesus grace to extend kindness now it doesn't mean when when it's been a really hard thing it doesn't mean i'm going to be buddy buddy with them it doesn't mean i'm going to invite them to dinner and hang out with them Maybe that the best thing that can happen is we are miles apart. Sometimes it's just that bad. Yet in my soul, that doesn't mean I hold back forgiveness. It may mean that the future road is very distant, but in my heart, I, I extend grace, and I look for ways to extend forgiveness as Christ has forgiven me. So the pattern is, is, is God. Now what's the motivation? God's love. God's love did it. Out of God's love, he sent his son to rescue us. So in the end, chapter five, verse one, which the chapter breaks, sometimes help, sometimes don't. Here, it doesn't help. Be imitators of God. All five of these things, fully forgiven, the right response is, I imitate God, which gets us back to Ezra. Who, Learn to raise his hands, if you were here for the video, because he saw you do it. And so he's just imitating you. In the same way as we grow. Now, this is a lifetime adventure. If you feel like, man, I don't know if I could do this. You're right, you can. not <laughs> In your own strength. But by God's grace, you actually can and you will. And you probably are. You're just beating yourself over the head and just don't see it. The good news is God sees progress that we ignore. <laughs> So hang in there, and like Ezra, learn learn to imitate God. And because God's given us forgiveness in a sacrificial way, Jesus sacrifices himself and gives himself as a holy offering to God. In the same way, now, that's, that's my model. If you just want to know what forgiveness looks like, just type in the words on keyword search in the Bible, Jesus and forgiveness and read every line. And what you're going to find is Jesus' view of forgiveness is totally scandalous in today's world. that says, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, bomb for a bomb. Jesus extends mercy and forgiveness in ways that we would never. Now, I'll admit, all this is challenging. Oh, man. If, if you think any of this is, following Jesus is, it's beautiful, but it ain't easy, is it? But this is the high calling that we have in him. And so that's why before we read this, Earlier in the chapter, it says, be patient with one another. So everything I just said, can you do me a favor? Please do not use it as a tool for your spouse. Don't, Please, please do not take this list and say, I've been trying to tell you, sweetie, but three out of the five things Jose was saying, I think apply to you. One of them might apply to me. Verdict's not out on that yet but three of them clearly apply. Please don't have that conversation, but rather be patient with one another. God's in it for the long haul. All right, let's start with the uh, first question that we addressed. Are we speaking the truth? Are we speaking truthfully? Let's just start there. What we're doing, if you're new to our church, you've been coming for a while is we're doing less music on the front, more prayer to recenter our hearts and now we're spending more time in worship on the back half on purpose because we want to drill into this first. Am I actually speaking the truth? Um, we'll start this way. Am I telling the truth to God? Am I lying to God right now? By the way, he already knows but what he actually wants is just like any good parent when you know your kids are guilty what was, what's the best response? That they own up. Like you already know but that they own up and say, I'm sorry. So maybe we could start here in worship. Can today's worship be an extension of your response to say, God, I wanna come truthfully. Here I am, warts and all, now enable me to live this kind of Jesus life. I wanna imitate you. The songs are gonna help drive us in this direction. Communion is the reminder that 100% of it is by grace because of Jesus. And we learn to pray for one another. So uh, when we get up in a second and when we start to sing, at any point during this back half here, if you're stirred in your soul to say, you know what, I actually want to pray with someone about this. You don't have to confess the details. I just want to pray with someone about how I'm feeling right now or what I'm thinking. At any point, you can slip out and you go to the right and there's a prayer room and we'd love to join with you. The Bible says, pray for one another that you may become whole, healed. And that's what we know what Jesus wants to do. All right, why don't you stand on your feet? Lord, uh, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We want to think thoughts that are in alignment with your way. We want to live this out, God. And we confess at the outset that in our own human effort, gosh, this is impossible. And probably not very desirable. Yet we know this is the abundant life where I release people and Don't let their behavior keep me in chains. Where we lift one another up, where we bless instead of curse, where we are honest and and not lying in bold and in subtle ways. God, we don't even know how to live this way, but you formed us. You made us new. We're one in you, Lord Jesus. We're gifted differently so we can encourage one another in good works. And now we humbly say, Lord, here we are, warts and all. Holy Spirit of God, do the beautiful work that you do every day as you transform our mind and then our behavior into alignment with the way of Jesus. Do it now, we pray. And everybody said amen.